Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you with your home improvement project. So help yourself first. Pick up the phone and call us at 1 888 Money Pit, 888 666 3974. Coming up on today's show, if spending so much time indoors may have left your outdoor area perhaps a little neglected, we're going to have some tips on how you can spruce up that space for spring and turn your backyard into a showplace you'll be proud of. And if you find yourself fighting the battle of dirt and dust way too often, it may not be your cleaning skills. You might have just chosen the wrong vacuum. I like that. Blame the vacuum. Don't blame the vacuumer. That is an excellent <laughs> idea. We're going to share some tips on choosing the right kind for your needs. And we're also going to tell you about how a simple sensing switch can save you money and keep you from stumbling around in the dark. It's actually called an occupancy sensor. It takes only about 15 minutes to install. And we're going to tell you about a free class that's going to be happening at over 2,000 Home Depot locations on March 21st that will teach you exactly how to install it yourself. And not only that, but we're also going to give away one of those Maestro occupancy sensing switches from Lutron, as well as a Skylark Contour CFL LED dimmer to one caller, and they're worth about 45 bucks. So if you want to get in on that giveaway, pick up the phone and call us right now at one eight 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 Money Pit. That prize package will go out to one caller that reaches us for today's show, Drawn at Random. The number again... One eight 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 Money Pit. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Joe in Illinois. You've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I have a single story house. It's got hot water. I got a boiler with hot water heat baseboard. And about eight years ago, I had air con- uh, central air conditioning installed. And okay. They did all that. They run all the trunk lines up in the attic. Put all my yep. registers in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Now the problem happens during winter time. I'm getting condensation on. You know, I go around and shut them registers off, but it's not a hundred percent shut off on them registers, of course. And I'm getting condensation that's forming up in my trunk line, and I'm getting condensation dripping out of my registers, which I'm starting to get some water stains on my ceiling around my registers from this. All right, so you have an energy problem. The problem is that those registers are so cold that when the warm, moist air from the house strikes them, it condenses. And so you need additional insulation in the space above that. You may need to insulate in or around those ducts. You may need to wrap those ducts with additional insulation. You need to keep those ducts warmer. And and frankly, the bigger problem is one that you can't see. If, if it's that cold at your ceiling, you're probably losing a lot of heat through that ceiling. So I would get up in that attic space and take a look. You know, in your part of the country, having 15 or 20 inches of insulation is not unheard of, and it is certainly a good idea. Well, basically, I know when they put it in there, they laid them trunk lines right on top. I got like 20 inches of blown fiberglass, and they laid them trunk lines. I need to peel that fiberglass back, bury them trunk lines, and insulate all around that real good. I think that would make a lot of sense. Sounds good, then. All right, Joe, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
Mary Lee in Washington has a call about radiant heat for the floor. Tell us what's going on. I'm going to remodel my bathroom. It'll have a tile floor. Some of my neighbors in my condominium have put under their floors and say they love it. But I wonder if there's any efficiency to it or if it's just an expensive comfort. I think it's more of a luxury item because your condominium probably has enough heat with the core heating system. That said, it is kind of nice to have that toasty floor in the bathroom. And if you don't mind the expense to install it, you can you can control the expense to run it because you're always going to you're only going to operate it, you know, when you need it. You can put it on a timer, you could heat the floor up just for one particular, you know, bath shower experience. You can really control that usage. But it is awfully nice to have that there's nothing efficient about it. It's uh, it's definitely going to cost you some money to run because it's electric and it's the most expensive form of heat. Okay, thank you. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Happy St. Patty's weekend, everybody. Maybe you're painting a room green. Maybe you're dying a river green. Who knows what's going on? Whatever you are working on, hopefully there's a home improvement project in there and we can give you a hand. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, when you go into a room that's dark, especially with your hands full, it can be dangerous So we're going to tell you about a simple switch that you can install to automatically light the way after this. Hey, this is Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, and I've just been told that Tom and Leslie might have a dirtier job than me. I find that hard to believe, but then I heard they work in a pit. That's a money pit, but still filthy. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are taking your calls at one eight 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 Money Pit. One caller who gets on the air with us this hour is going to win a Maestro occupancy sensing switch from Lutron. Now, it senses when someone is in the room and automatically switches the lights on or off. You're also going to get Lutron's Skylark Contour CFL LED dimmer which basically is a dimmer that works with any type of bulb, especially the energy-efficient CFLs and LEDs. And they're worth about $45 altogether. We're going to give this package away to one caller, drawn at random from those that reach us for today's show at 888-MONEYPIT. And you can check them out at ChooseLutron.com. All right, we've got Anthony in Tennessee on the line. How can we help you today? Yeah, I got a, a 99-379 Peterbilt, and it's got one bed in it, and we pretty much live in the truck. And we're, we're wanting to turn that one bed into a bunk bed. We tried to widen it and it didn't work out too good. So I got to go lightweight because I'm heavy and the truck's real heavy. So if I do it in two by fours, it's going to be a real heavy, heavy truck. Anthony, you know what comes to mind that I think would be a good solution for you uh, is, is a metal bunk bed, an army cot bunk bed. You know, the army cots, if you just Google army cots and bunk beds, you'll see a wide variety of metal bunk beds that are stackable. And they certainly have them in light-duty to heavy-duty designs. They're not terribly expensive. I, I see them online for three, four, five hundred $500. And they're not very heavy, and they're super strong. And they can be two full twin-sides beds stacked one on top of another. Okay. Well, the bed that's in here, the frame of that bed is part of the truck. So it has to sit on top of that, correct? Yeah, I have to set something into that framework above my bed. Right, so then maybe what you want is just basically one half of that uh, cot-style bunk bed, and then you have to build supports to get it up in the air for the space. 
So I would take a look okay. at these metal bunk beds online. I think you're going to find your solution there, and it's going to be a lot easier to deal with than trying to frame something that it would. Yeah, because then I could just set it in place and mount it to my bed. Exactly. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. All right, Anthony. Well, I'm glad we helped you out. And i got to say, this is one very unusual question for us, and I'm glad we were able to come up with a solution. Now we've got Maria in Delaware on the line who needs help with a paneling painting project. So you got a new house, and it's got a lot of it, huh, Maria? It sure does. Um, you know, about 25 years ago, the paneling was probably very popular, but um, I'm really tired of looking at it. We tried painting one room, and, um, you know, we sanded it a little bit, primed it, and painted it. I'm okay with that, but my husband is not because you can still see the grooves through the paint. So we were wondering if there was a way to take care of those grooves, maybe spackling it or whatever, but we didn't want the spackling to later flake out or chip off and, and cause more problems than we already have. So hopefully you know of some way that we can do this without just taking all the paneling down. Yeah, anything that you're going to fill in is just going to come out just like you think. So really the best thing is to either sheath over it with, you know, like a, a half-inch drywall or take the paneling off and put drywall on. Okay, half-inch drywall. So how would that affect the molding that we have? I mean, all that would have to be replaced as well, like around windows, everything? Yeah, you'd have to pull that off. The thing is, what you might want to try first, though, is just removing the paneling and seeing what's underneath it, because there might be a halfway decent wall underneath it. If you're lucky enough to find out that the paneling was not glued to those walls, then maybe you can just repair the wall, spackle the nail holes, fix any tear, torn areas or any other damage, and then just paint the walls again. Because that paneling was often nailed on with like a very thin ring nail. Yes, it was nailed on. I can see the nails in that. Yeah, it usually pulls off pretty easily. So I would, the first thing I would do is pull that paneling off. Nothing you put over that paneling in terms of there's no, no way to really fill it in because I know what you're asking us to do. But there's no way to do that because it's going to crack and fall out and it's going to look worse than it does now. So if you don't like the painted look and you want to go back to uh, just a clean wall, I would take the paneling down. You know, do it one wall at a time, one area at a time until you get the hang of it. And this way you can almost not do any molding work whatsoever because generally that stuff's cut around the molding or you can cut the paneling really tight to the molding and leave it there. Okay. Thank you both so much for your help. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, has this happened to you? You walk into your laundry room, your garage, or your basement. Your arms are full of stuff. I mean, so loaded that you're just trying to find that light switch in the dark with your elbow. Well, truth is, it's happened to just about all of us. Well, Lutron, their trusted Money Pit sponsor, they have a very easy solution to this very common problem. It's called the Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. And what it does is it actually switches on the lights when it detects that someone has walked into the room, which is not only going to save your elbows, but it actually saves you a bundle on energy costs because it also turns off the lights after you leave, which is especially good if you've got kids that just love to leave the lights on. Now, this which takes only about 15 minutes to install. And in fact, no matter what your skill level, you can actually learn to install it yourself when you take part in the nationwide Home Depot Do It Herself workshop presented by Lutron on Thursday, 
March 21st. It's a free how-to demo, and it's actually going to take place at every Home Depot in the country, like 2,000 locations. You're going to get expert instruction, and you'll get the answers to even your most basic questions. You can learn more about the workshops at homedepot.com and more about the Lutron products at ChooseLutron.com. And if you happen to be in the New York City area on March 21st, Tom and I will be conducting the Do-It-Herself workshop at the Home Depot in Midtown on 3rd Avenue. That's between 58 and 59. You can stop by, say hello. We're going to teach you how to install the Maestro, and you might even take home a copy of our book for free. So pop on in and say hello. And remember, guys, it's called the Do-It-Herself workshop, but you are welcome too. Especially if you're a single guy, it would seem to me that there could be a good opportunity to meet some ladies that love home improvement. Jim in Arkansas is on the line with a chimney question. How can we help you today? Well, the reason I called is because I have an issue with my fireplace. It's just a regular wood burner. It doesn't have an insert in it. And I want to seal the chimney for health and energy loss reasons. You know, I, I, I was thinking about putting a, a, a steel plate on the top because here in the Ozarks, whenever we get bad weather and that wind is howling, it sounds like a freight train coming through my fireplace, and I have quite a bit of a draft. And the damper, you know, just does not hold, you know, securely enough so I don't get that air uh, through there. I was wondering, can you give me some advice as to who to contact, if it's feasible to do something like this? Is safety a concern? It's certainly feasible to do this project. It's sort of the kind of project that you've got to be a bit creative with because what you're going to want to do is try to form some sort of weather-tight shield across the top of the flue. I would tell you, that whatever you do to this, make it removable because chances are if you sell this house at some point in the future, you know somebody might find it really attractive to have a fireplace there in the Ozarks and want to you know, reactivate this chimney, so to speak. So however you seal it across the top, you've got to find, out, find an easy way to do that. You know, One thing that comes to mind is that there's a damper that fits in the top of a chimney liner. And it's sort of like a weighted heavy metal door. And the way it's activated is that there's a stainless steel cable that goes down through the middle of the chimney and it's uh, hooked onto the side of the fireplace. And when you release the cable, the door flops open. So that would be a, a way to put a device up there that's really designed for a flu and will serve the dual purpose of sealing off the draft from the top. Okay. Well, I thank you very much for... Uh giving me the time, and I love your show. Listen to it two hours every Sunday morning. All right. Well, thank you very much, Jim. It's nice to hear. We appreciate it. Laurel in Pennsylvania is dealing with some stinky drains at home. Tell us what's going on. My bathroom drain and the kitchen drain, they're, they're starting to smell like garbage, and nothing I put down their house. Well, can you help me? What have you tried to do in terms of cleaning them? Like um, dishwashing liquid in real hot, sudsy water. Laurel, the odor that you're describing is most likely what we call biogas or biofilm. Okay. Because of the moisture and the waste that gets into these lines, they form sort of a mass of biological material that sort of gels together and releases an awful odor, kind of like something that's rotting. And there's no way to kind of make it simpler than that, but it's really kind of a gross thing. So what you need to do is just sort of rinsing it out with hot, soapy water is not going to do this. You've got to take the drain cover off. You've got to get into the drain 
with like a bottle brush or something like that and scrub the inside of the pipe. And that will start to break down the biofilm, and that should help eliminate the odor problem. It's not just a matter of rinsing it out because that's kind of just feeding it. You literally have to abrade this gross stuff away to make it clean once again. Okay? All right. And I really enjoy your program every week. Thanks so much, Laurel. Good luck with that project. Then call again. John in Texas is dealing with some mystery plumbing noises. What can we do for you today? I have a problem with my water heater, I think. When we flush the toilet, the hot water line starts banging. My hot water heater is in the attic. The question would be, what does the hot water have to do with the toilet? Probably nothing because <laughs> because we don't use hot water in the toilets. But what is happening is that when you flush the toilet, uh, the toilet has to refill. So the cold water line is coming on and, and refilling that. Not cold water line. It's the same cold, cold water line that's that's probably running into the uh, water heater above it. So it sounds to me like what you have is called water hammer, which is caused by usually some loose pipes. And when the val- when the valve in the toilet uh, opens to fill and then closes when it's done, there's some movement there, and the pipe will shake because of the weight of the water in the pipe. Uh, has a lot of inertia, and as that water stops, as the valve opens and closes, it will shake, rattle, and roll the pipe. The other thing that will happen is sometimes as you run cold water through the pipe, especially with the toilet because it's not flushed, you know, over and over and over and over again, that temperature change in the pipe could also make the pipe expand or contract, and as that rubs against the wood, it will make some noise too. So I don't think you have a serious problem here, John. I think you probably have a water hammer issue. The first thing I would do is try to secure as many of the pipes as we can so that they're tight and they don't rattle. And then if it does become a problem beyond that, there's a device called a water hammer arrestor, which is kind of like a shock absorber for your plumbing system that you can have a plumber install. All right. Thank you very much. Next up, we've got Jim. Welcome to the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Uh, yes, I'm uh, shopping for a new driveway. My okay. old one's cracked and really bad. And I, I was wondering what to look for as far as to know whether a guy's going to give me what I really need and uh, something good that won't crack again very well. What kind of driveway do you have now? Is it a concrete or asphalt driveway? It's a concrete. Well, the key here is going to be the preparation of the base. I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road. If the concrete is not thick enough, it's not going to be strong enough. And if it's not strong enough, it's going to crack. So what I would focus on is making sure that you get a quality contractor first. And how would I find a quality contractor? Well, I would thoroughly check the contractor's references. I would go online, check some of the review sites, take a look at Angie's List, for example, and see if you can find somebody who's got a good reputation for doing good work in the area. And then... Once you've selected one or two guys that are good, then get their estimates and compare those to try to make an apples-to-apples comparison. Because there's a lot of ways to kind of cut corners when it comes to driveways. You know, one guy could put three inches of concrete down, another guy could put six inches of concrete down. One guy could tamp the base really solid with equipment that's designed to do that. Another guy might just throw the mud down and drive off. So it really comes down to technique and making sure it's it's applied correctly. And if it is, you're going to have a concrete that can a driveway that can last indefinitely. One gentleman I was talking to about it said the concrete he uses was uh, has fiber fiberglass in it. Yeah, well, there's a way to put um, a different types of material in concrete that helps it resist cracking. And that's just one of many elements that would go into a good driveway job. Okay, because do they still use mesh and and, and rebar and stuff oh, yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. Yep, they sure do. Okay, well, I, I really appreciate the help. All right, Jim, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Hey, have you been waiting all winter to get outside and enjoy those great outdoors in your own yard? Well, don't get caught with a shabby-looking space. We're going to share some tips on sprucing it up after this. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, have you liked us yet on Facebook? We would welcome you to do just that. And if you do, uh, you'll get opportunities to learn about our weekly prize giveaways on Facebook, as well as instant access, the newest Money Pit shows, articles, and videos. So just log on to the Money Pit website at moneypit.com. Click on the Facebook icon. We'll take you right over to our page where... We would love for you to like us there as well. Now we've got Alice in Michigan on the line who's dealing with mold in the shower. Tell us where you're seeing it. Hi, I am having issues to where my caulk keeps having black mold come through. I strip it, I redo it, and the mold just keeps returning. What can I do to stop that? Um, a couple of things. You're talking about the sh- just the shower or the shower tub kind of a thing? It's The walls are separate from the actual tub, so I've got okay. the caulk that um, attaches them, and I will strip it. I put bleach on it, and then I put um, new caulk down, but it just keeps coming through. Have you tried DAP? caulk and the reason i bring that up is they have a kitchen and bath caulk that's treated with an additive called microband and microband absolutely positively will not grow mold or algae in it um i don't think i've tried that you might want to give that a try and the other thing that i would do is and i know you've been through this all before but remember to pull out all the old caulk you can use a a caulk softener which is kind of like a paint stripper for caulk to pull that out you want to wipe that down and spray with a bleach and water solution in a spray bottle up into that gap so that we make sure we get up in there and kill any algae spores or mold spores that are left behind. Now, this is on a tub? Uh, yes. Okay, so f- next thing you do is fill the tub with water all the way up. And while the tub is full, caulk the seam between the walls and, and the tub. And then after the caulk dries, let the water out. That lets the tub sort of come back up and compress the caulk and help seal it better so that moisture won't get behind it and it won't sort of tear out again. Oh, okay. And then finally, make sure you use the caulk that I suggested with the mildicide. And there are there are others, but I just happen to have good experience with that particular one. It's DAP, kitchen and bath caulk with microband. That's the additive. Oh, perfect. Okay, well, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Alice. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. If you've got a humdrum front porch, a neglected deck, or a bare-bones patio, you can bring new life to your outdoor spaces. Now, this is prime real estate that can expand your home's usable space if you make it work for you year-round. Here to give us some simple tips that can offer big solutions to your outdoor living decor dilemmas is Kevin O'Connor, the host of TV's This Old House. Kevin, great to see you again. Hi, guys. Great to be here again. You know, 
Outdoor space is really prime these days as more and more homeowners really treat that outside space as kind of an extension of their daily living area. So how can we make these spaces really work for us and not break the budget? Man, isn't this a huge trend? I mean, this is all you hear about, right? People trying to change their outdoor space Mm -hmm. into living space. So let's go through some of the obvious areas, all right? If you've got a porch, okay, this is a great place to start. Think about things um, like a porch swing, right? Who doesn't want to sway back and forth on a porch swing. And if you want to dress it up a little bit, use sturdy ropes rather than chains to hang it. That's going to be a little bit more of a natural look. And then I would just say, make sure that the ropes are properly rated to maybe 600 pounds or more and give it a look once in a while to make sure it hasn't worn out. There was a big article uh, recently in USA Today talking about the the return of the porch. It really is becoming a very popular architectural feature once again. So it's a place that we love to spend time. I had one. Now I don't. And I miss it terribly. <laughs> and in fact, the other tip that I was going to give you was something that we had on our old porch. And those are rockers. People love sitting in a rocking chair. So put a couple rockers on the porch or maybe think of a hammock. A great place to sort of relax and hang out. Just keep a couple side tables closed for the books or the drinks. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's really fun when you've got an outdoor space like that. We have a screen porch on the back of our home and we use it year round. It really is our favorite place. And you want to sort of make it an extension of your interior decor style. So think about using, you know, fabrics and rugs and furnishings that are specifically made to stand up to the elements and decorate it as you would any room in the house. Yeah. And if you don't want to put a rug out there um, because maybe you get some water on it, even if it is covered, I've seen people actually paint rugs Mm. down on the porch floor. So it's permanently there. It's not going to get beat up, and it's a good look, and you can hang plants and baskets in the right places. It'll really spruce things up, and you're going to want to spend time there. Now, if you're working on your outdoor space, you're going to want to spend time out there, not only in the daytime, but also at the nighttime. So it seems like there's. Yeah, absolutely. Seems like there's a good opportunity to improve outdoor lighting as well. Outdoor lighting is great. I mean, it's good when you're out there, but also when you're in the house, if you can look out onto your outdoor space and see something lit up, it really gives an extension to the house. So the simplest way is to use candle lanterns. You can spread them all over the furniture, you can hang them from trees, you can place them on tables or railings, and it really gives a nice nighttime glow. They're really easy to move around. You can put them wherever you want. Mm -hmm. Now, what if you don't have sort of a set up outdoor space? Is there anything architecturally that you can add to sort of define a room in your exterior? So if you've got a wide open space, really the trick is to sort of define the edges, right? Right. Give it a little bit of definition and you can do it with potted plants. You can actually have things that are high and low or you can use something like a pergola, right? You can imagine what these things are. They're built up structures. They've got open roofs. Sometimes it's great to train a plant up on them so it grows. Those types of things will give great definition. And then at night, you can create a little focal point, put a light in one corner so it draws your eye right there and you're not just seeing the big open expanse. Yeah, a lot of times you just pick one space and kind of build off of that. I mean, Leslie, you do this in decorating all the time. You know, we have uh, folks that just have a pillow. They love this pillow, and they build a color scheme kind of Mm -hmm. off of that. You do the same thing outside. You can pick one area that you really like and then build from that to create that truly outdoor living room. Well, and I think it's important when you're dealing with an exterior space as well as to look at your yard and see if you have like a secret nook or a little area that could become a destination. If you've got like a little garden area, maybe you want to put a small bistro table back there with a nice pathway and some nice candle lighting or some potted plants that becomes your little morning coffee spot or Mm. your favorite reading spot. So it's really interesting to sort of examine what you've got in the exterior and sort of create those destinations. And if it's adjacent to the house, you're going to have an exterior wall exposed. And don't think of it as an exterior wall. Think of it as an 
interior wall, mm-hmm. put sconces on it, hang some artwork on it, and all of a sudden it becomes a beautiful backdrop for the outdoor space. What a great idea. We're talking to Kevin O'Connor, the host of TV's This Old House. Now, something else we love to do outside is to cook. Big trend in doing that are outdoor kitchens today. Any tips for that area? Well, I mean, who doesn't want to spend time outside cooking and grilling and stuff like that? So we've all got the grills out there, but why not make it a little bit more robust, right? How about a little prep sink for cleanup or getting ready for the uh, for the grilling or a cooler? Step it up a notch, put a little refrigerator out there to keep the beverages nice and cold. You can make yourself a nice little kitchen in an outdoor area. Yep, you don't have to be limited to just the uh, little stainless steel shelves that hang off your grill, right. right? I mean, you can really create everything that you have inside. You can create the prep area, create the sink area, and it doesn't have to be very, very expensive. All of these things are available today in sort of a modular format where you can buy just one piece at a time and put it together to create a nice little outdoor kitchen for and yourself. Just use the smart materials that are good for outside, you know, things like stone or wood that's going to hold up, and you're, you're in good shape. Good advice. Kevin O'Connor, the host of TV's This Old House. Thanks so much for helping us spruce up our outdoor spaces. Always a pleasure, guys. Catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House is brought to you by The Home Depot. The Home Depot, more savings, more doing. That's the power of The Home Depot. Up next, if your house was closed up and gathering dust all winter long, it's time for some serious spring cleaning. We've got tips on choosing the right vacuum for this job just ahead. Fit is brought to you by Porter Cable Professional Grade Nailers and Staplers. With over 100 years of experience producing quality, performance-driven tools, Porter Cable continues to be a leading manufacturer and marketer of professional-grade pneumatic fastening tools and compressors. Available at the Home Depot and independent retailers. To learn more, visit PorterCable.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. We're going to answer your home improvement questions and possibly shed some light in your life. We're giving away a prize package from our friends over at Lutron to one lucky caller. And it includes the Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch that's going to actually switch on the lights when somebody walks into the room or off when they walk out. Now, you're also going to get a Skylark Contour CFL LED dimmer to use with a dimmer bulb and that's going to help you save some energy and create some dramatic lighting options for any space and you can see them at choose together they're worth 45 dollars. but if you pick up the phone and give us a call at 888 money pit we'll answer your home improvement question and give you a chance to win 888-666-3974 now we've got sylvester on the line from louisiana who's dealing with a leaky attic tell us what's going on my uh top of the roof is about at vertex is probably 40s Six forty-nine feet. Well, there's a where the attic breathes. Uh, uh, sometimes they're square, some rectangular, some round. Where yeah, the vents, the, uh-huh. the attic vents. I'm I'm getting blowing rainwater that's coming in there, running mm-hmm. down the wall, coming in to bedroom window below. Oh boy. Okay. How, how does that? Uh, and it has happened before, but it's only when it's a strong blowing wind. Uh, blowing no is it always rain. in the same? Is it always in the same spot? Yes. So it's probably not all of the vents. It's just one or two of the vents. I would think so. I don't know. I haven't actually gone into the attic yet uh, to see which 
where most of it's coming from. So I would do that as my next step because I would go up in the attic and I would look for the leaks. Now, it might be that maybe it's not blowing in the vents. It might be blowing around the vents. The vents could be leaking uh-huh. because every one of those vents has to be cut through the roof. So this may not really be what you think it is. But I would get up in the attic with a high-powered flashlight and take a look in the area of the problem. Remember that water will run downhill, so it might start up high, run down a rafter, and then drip off down below into, and show up in your bedroom or wherever. But I would take a careful look to try to find those leak stains. Let me, it would tell me exactly where it's leaking. And if I can identify the vent that's leaking, uh, I would just simply reseal it or replace it. Thank you much. Finally, the days are getting longer. You can throw open those blinds and let the sun shine in to reveal, what, a big pile of dust and dirt, especially if you haven't started your super deep spring cleaning. But you can make up for lost time if you simply have the right vacuum cleaner, which I do not have the right vacuum cleaner right now. It is absolutely awful. So here are some tips that I am going to follow as well. If you want to shop for the right one, first you need to consider the type. If you've got wall-to-wall carpets, an upright will probably probably do the trick. A canister option is better if you've got varied flooring throughout the house, but it can be tougher to lug around. Also, you want to consider saying no to some of the attachments. You know, there's really no need for an extra drapery attachment if you've only got blinds. Well, that's right. But one thing you really want to pay attention to, especially if you don't want to take the dust in one end of the vacuum and and out the other, is the filtration system. Now, the filtration system with vacuums vary from zero, which which basically uses a bag to collect the dirt, to pretty sophisticated systems that filter out pollen and tiny articles. The units with the filtration systems will cost more, but they're really great because they reduce the allergens in your house and they're not going to recycle the dust back into your house. If you've ever used a vacuum and seen dust shoot out the back end, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It seems like a real waste to uh, clean up some one area of the house to have it shoot out and become airborne in the next. So make sure you really carefully consider those filtration systems and buy the one that's really best for you. Now we've got Matt in Wisconsin who's dealing with a splashy toilet. That is the worst, constantly cleaning a toilet seat. Tell us what's going on. Well, when we flush the toilet, a good portion of air comes up through the trap, forcefully enough to cause the water to splash up onto the seat or the inside of the lid if it's closed. Well, what really causes that, Matt, is a venting problem. Is this a new problem or has it always been this way? No, it's just within the last couple of months. Okay, so then what I suspect is that you've got a blockage somewhere. If your vent for that toilet is partially blocked, then the drain line's being starved with air. And if it's starved with air, it's going to try to gulp that air from from somewhere else, and that's what's causing the bubbles. Okay. So what you need to do is try to figure out where that obstruction is. And it's going to be somewhere in the vent that uh, is connected to the waistline under the toilet, if that helps you narrow it down a bit. Yes, it does. Thanks. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, radon ventilation systems, they might keep your home safe from this deadly gas, but only if you install them correctly. We're going to help one member of the Money Pit's online community solve that problem next. The Money Pit is presented by Aero Sheds, the leader in steel storage sheds and buildings. Steel sheds are durable, secure, and a great value. Aero Storage Products, available at national home centers, hardware stores, and online. See a complete line of products at sheds.com. 
making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. You know the old saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? That is certainly true of your plumbing system. You'd like to take care of it. Just search Home Tips to Prevent Plumbing Problems on MoneyPit.com. We'll give you tips like how to stop a toilet from leaking before it costs you an arm and a leg in terms of your water bill. (laughs) And while you're online, you can head on over to our community section and post your question there, just like Tammy in Texas did, who writes, A house I was looking at had a radon vent installed. A pipe came up from under the house but was vented into the attic space, not the outside. Is that safe? That does not sound safe. Well... It may or may not be. Now, here's what you need to understand about those radon systems. In certain parts of the country, and I apologize, Tammy, I don't know if this is the case in Texas, but it's certainly the case in a lot of the Northeast where radon is quite common. The building code requires builders to install a radon vent pipe that goes from the basement slab all the way up through the house to the attic. They don't require them to take it through the attic and outside because... The theory is that you would test for radon after you got in the house, and if it turned out you had an elevated level, you would go up in the attic, or your radon guy would go up in the attic, and they would put a fan in line with that pipe, and then they would continue the exhaust right to the outside. So if you have an active radon mitigation system, and it's dumping that radon gas into the attic, that's a problem. If you have just the rough-in of a radon system, and that pipe is there in its roughed-in state, then that's normal. So... If you've not tested for radon, if you're not aware that you have an active radon system, I would definitely test the house for radon, and then at least you have the pipe roughed in. It'll be a lot less expensive to simply add the fan and get that vented outside and take care of it. All right. Next up, Jamie in Pennsylvania wrote, Last summer, I plugged a bunch of holes around my basement, thinking that would keep the mice from coming in from the field this winter. Well, it didn't work. In some cases, it looked like they chewed through the plywood. Is there anything mice can't chew through? (laughs) Yeah, steel wool. They don't like it. Well, that's right. Steel wool is a, is a really good suggestion, Leslie. They can't get through steel wool. And, you know, it's really hard to plug up every conceivable space because, let's face it, mice need the space about the diameter of your finger to get into your house. If they want to get in there, they'll find a way in. But if you have obvious holes, sticking a little steel wool in there is, is a good way. But let's talk about other things that you can do to kind of rodent-proof your house. First of all, you want to eliminate nesting areas at the foundation perimeter. So that's like firewood piled up against the house or trash cans that are too close. Any kind of collected junk, uh, high grass, anything like that uh, can cause a, a rodent infestation to sort of develop there. Then inside the house, Make sure you get all the rodent food off the floor. What could that be? Well, if you've got a pantry and you've got boxes of cereal on the bottom shelf, that's rodent food. You've got pet food on the floor, that's rodent food. So you want to clean all that up. Now, the last thing that you want to do is set traps if you're comfortable with that or use baits if you're not comfortable because you want to make sure that those rodents, if they take a taste of the bait, that they're done. Uh, and that's an easy thing to do. If you've got pets, small kids, you can put those baits into bait stations that are that are childproof and petproof. Very safe way to kind of maintain you, your home in a rodent-free state. And you know what? It's just common sense. You know, don't leave anything in your sink overnight. Make sure you clean the drain basket. You know, don't leave any yucky foods in there. You just want to get rid of anything that could be a temptation for any of those pests. So use your noodle. You know what to do. This This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. Do you realize this is the last show before the official start of spring? It's this Wednesday, so it's time to do your spring cleaning. It's time to tackle your spring home improvement projects, and we will be here to help you every step of the way. Remember, you can reach us 24-7 at 888-MONEYPIT or anytime by logging on to the Money Pit website at moneypit.com and posting your question 
in the community section. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss and if your identity is stolen your dedicated u.s-based restoration specialist will work to fix it let lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for save 25 off your first year on lifelock ultimate plus at lifelock.com aware terms apply